a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Transparency. Transparency is a word we hear all the time, right? We have heard it uh, lately, so often repeated in the debates regarding uh, law enforcement. We want transparency. We want to know uh, the records and the files and the investigations and every little bit of uh, information that is uncovered and archived and discovered when it comes to law enforcement. Uh, transparency. We want to know every single uh, detail about the funding of campaigns. We want to know where politicians get their money. We want to know how they spend their money. We want to know where that money came from and uh, how it was earned and how uh, it is put to use in trying to persuade you uh, to support X candidate. Transparency is uh, important when it comes to uh, medical science right now. As we march our way towards a coronavirus vaccine, uh, which Pfizer, by the way, which Pfizer says we might have by the end of October. That's pretty good. Uh, We want transparency in the way vaccines are developed and how departments of health develop their their guidelines for how you and I live our lives and how we uh, try to together navigate this, uh, this coronavirus. Transparency is good, right? Right. Most days, that's an e- it's an easy answer, right? Easy. Yes. We just want transparency. Well, every once in a while, there is a circumstance where I can understand and get behind uh, uh, the rationale to conceal something. Questions of national security. Absolutely. There are uh, certain tidbits of classified information that exist. And if they were to be revealed, that would, uh, you know, that would probably make vulnerable some of our servicemen and women or our measures taken to safeguard this nation. Uh, that applies, too, to law enforcement. You know, there are privacy uh, concerns with certain people, health records, uh, HIPAA and all that. There are appropriate areas in which information is kept from the public. And here's one that is not often discussed. The home address of a political candidate. The home address of a political candidate. Do you think the home address of a candidate should be made available to the public? I'll share with you my opinion on that in just a moment, but here's the backstory. Uh, up until very recently, every time a candidate for office here in the state of Utah filed to run in a race, the form that they filled out included a place for their name, the office which they were seeking, uh, the, the party uh, to which they uh, associate, and also their home address. That form was submitted to the lieutenant governor's office of elections. Uh, there would be a stamp. It's been received. That document would be scanned. And then that document, exactly as it was filled out by the candidate and stamped by the lieutenant governor, it would be made available 
on a publicly viewable state website. And so for years and years and years, we have been able to see the home addresses of candidates. Is that right or wrong? I will tell you that here in the state of Utah, uh, we do enjoy uh, a very special uh, amount of access to our elected officials. If you travel to to many other states uh, around this country, there is no way. For example, if you go to the, the state's website right now, almost every legislator has their personal cell phone there. If you've got a question with your either state representative or a state senator, you can find their, their, their personal cell phone address. You send them a text message. You give them a call. Many of them answer. That is unique and special for Utah. Try that in New York State. Forget it. Forget it. Last year, Senator Jake Andereg uh, introduced uh, Senate Bill 163, Candidate Filing Disclosure Amendments. What he provide, and I'll tell you that this bill, as introduced, uh, it, it, it made it through. It passed both chambers of the Utah legislature and ultimately uh, received a signature from the governor. And so if you now today go through the lieutenant governor's website looking at the various filings for office, you will see that about half of them right now uh, have their home addresses redacted. I'm okay with that. Here's Andereg defending his, legisl- his legislation just last year. An emotionally disturbed person went on the lieutenant governor's website and got my home address, didn't like the way I had voted on a particular bill, and showed up at my house. I wasn't home. Uh, my daughter answered the door. Needless to say, it was not a, a pretty or pleasant circumstance. The senator's running for office, not his children, not his wife, not those uh, others who live under that roof. And so to uh, withhold that address, I think, is wholly appropriate. Now, I understand, too, that it's important that we know maybe uh, whether or not a candidate lives within uh, the district, right? Because uh, for the House of Representatives here in the state of Utah, uh, you got to live within your district. But the congressional filings, if you're running for Congress, U.S. Congress, you don't necessarily need to live within uh, within the district boundaries. In fact, we have a number of candidates right now, Ben McAdams, uh, Blake Moore. They don't live within uh, their, their district boundaries. And so that's an important thing to know. But there are other ways of communicating that. There are other ways of conveying that reality uh, to voters without disclosing uh, your personal address. I am glad that this piece of legislation passed. And in fact, uh, I I don't think that they should be required to to, to divulge it at all. I think that there should be, uh, do you live in the state? Yes or no. Do you live within the district you uh, would like to seek office within? Uh, Yes or no. And then they should just be held liable whether or not they are truthful there, right? How many times do you and I fill out forms where at the end, it says, uh, did you tell the truth here? Did you tell the truth here? If not, we can come after you. I'd be okay with that. Uh, to wrap up uh, this conversation, I want you to hear from uh, Senator Deidre Henderson. Uh, she right now is uh, she's a candidate for lieutenant governor. She is Spencer Cox's running mate. You know her uh, very well. Uh, she talks about, uh, and we'll let this be the final word, why she voted for this piece of legislation. I had an experience a couple of years ago where um, uh, some one one uh, group passed out flyers, uh, thousands of them, in op- it, it, with t- totally misrepresenting something, complete lies on this flyer, and put my home address on it. And I was up here, and I had daughters at home alone, 
And I was appalled and, and, and really quite frightened by that. Uh, it, what, what this misinformation, these lies that could whip up people um, against. I wasn't worried about me. I was worried about my children who were home alone. I wasn't worried about me. I was worried about my children who were home alone. Every once in a while, transparency uh, it, it should not be the rule. Every once in a while, keeping something secret uh, is appropriate when it keeps someone an innocent someone uh, safe. I'm glad this is the case. I'm glad that there are legislators taking advantage of it. Uh, transparency should be the general rule, uh, but I will allow for exceptions, and this is a prime example of one of those exceptions. Quick break, and when we return, we're going to look at science. Science? You know big science? Yeah, they, they've demonstrated something fascinating. It has to do with the spirit of you and I as Utahns. It turns out that the Western spirit is alive and well here in the state of Utah. Science has looked at it. Science has proven it. And it turns out, thanks to science, we are again reminded that we here in Utah have a Western spirit. What the heck am I talking about? <laughs> Stick around. After the break, I'll explain on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.